Well, good morning. We want to welcome you uh, to our service. Uh, we're doing things a little different uh, this morning. Uh, because today marks our 25th anniversary as a church. 25 years of God's blessing to us as a church. 25 years of proclaiming the gospel that there is salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and that those that put their faith and trust in him can be delivered from sin and have the security and the confidence that they will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles. If you have them with you, the passage will be up on the screen. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Uh, this morning, Pastor Bruce and I are going to be team teaching in here. For those of you who do not know me, I'm Pastor Butch Persley. I'm the senior pastor of the church. Uh, pastor Bruce is the associate pastor and he graciously gave me 10 of the 30 minutes that we'll be sharing together with this morning. So uh, I'm going to talk with us this morning about God's blessing to us and what's in store for us as a church for the next five years. And then Pastor Bruce is going to talk about beyond the five years out to the next 20 years. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, because I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, what is it that the Apostle Paul is talking about that he hasn't attained to? In the context right before this, in verse 8, Paul says, that I may gain Christ. In verse 9, he says, that I may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. Our own righteousness will never get us into heaven. It must be the righteousness of Christ. Uh, verse 10, that I may know him, that I might know Jesus, not just know about him, but know him and the power of his resurrection, and that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then in verse 11 he says, that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then Paul tells us, he says, not that I have already obtained. The apostle Paul said that he had not arrived. And I think we can safely say, if the apostle Paul had not arrived, neither have any of us arrived. He goes on and he also says, not that I am perfect. Paul recognized that he was not perfect. And once again, I think we can all say, we are not perfect. And that only, not only applies to us as individuals, it also applies to us as a church. 25 years old, we have not arrived. 
we are not perfect. We are all works in progress. And our church is a work in progress. Paul says in the passage that we read, in down in verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Now there are passages of Scripture that will tell us there are things we need to remember. There are other passages of Scripture that tells us there are things that we need to forget. It all depends on the context. What Paul is saying here that we need to forget about are the, though we can celebrate past victories, though we can celebrate how we've seen God work in the past, we need to be so focused on moving forward with him that we forget about that and we press forward. And that is true for us as individuals. It is also true for us as a body of believers here at Maranatha Bible Church. Now, as we move forward into the future, as we focus and as we press forward, one thing we do not want to hear here are the seven last words of a dying church. And those words are this. We have never done it that way. You know, the truth is, the message we share of salvation in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That message, the message of the scriptures never changes. But the methods we use will change. And we have to recognize there is a difference between the, the message and the methods. The message of God's word is unchanging. But how we engage with our culture must constantly be changing. If, if nothing else, that's something that COVID has taught us, right? Our lives have not remained the way they were before this virus came. We've had to make changes. As our culture changes, we as a church must make adjustments never compromising our message, but being willing to change the methods so that we can take this gospel message that there is salvation in Christ throughout the whole world and into our community. So for the next five years, here are some things that I want you to know about that are going to occur here at Maranatha Bible Church. First of all, there is going to be a successful transition on our elders. Our elders are the managers, so to speak, of the church. They're the decision-making body for the church. And over the last couple of years, we have rotated six individuals off of our elder board, and six new people have been added. Just this month, presented to you were four men to join us on the elder board. You'll see their pictures up on the screen. We have Chris Barnes, Dave Duma, that's younger Dave Duma, not the old Dave Duma, uh, and he's getting old, let me tell you. Just watch how he moves. All right. <laughs> Sean McCoskey and Brad Mooney. 
as a body of believers, we've affirmed those four individuals to join our elder board. All right, secondly, five years from now, I will be transitioning out of the senior pastor's role. Now, hear, hear me carefully. That's five years from now. Every time I talk about this, people have me either dead the next week or they say, you, you quit, you resign last week. It's five years from now. In five years, it'll be the 30th anniversary of our church. Five years from now will also mark 50 years that I have been in ministry. And so I feel at that time, it is time to turn the reins over to someone else. I'm not going to quit working for the Lord, but as far as leading this church, after 30 years of leading it, it's time for somebody else to lead it. And God has clearly impressed that on my heart. And the person that will be leading it after me, as long as you vote for him and affirm him, will be Pastor Bruce Rosa, who will be sharing with you shortly. So he will be sharing about what's going to happen in the next 20 years. Also, over the next five years, we want to see 80% of you that are regular attendees here and that are members of this church involved in some type of smaller group, whether that's a connect group, an ABF, a small Bible study, a men's study, a women's study. There's only so much that can be done in this environment of a service and in the auditorium environment. It's important for us to have fellowship and relationships with others. So we want to see that true of everyone. And then the other thing that we want to see is we want to see an increased number of baptisms, of people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We want to see that increase year after year. See, when people are being baptized, it's their public profession. They're saying to everyone, I am a follower of Jesus. And we're blessed as a church today that throughout our various services, we have 12 different individuals who are being baptized today, and you'll see some of those baptisms here later in this service. At this point, Pastor Bruce is going to come and uh, share with you for what's going to happen over the next 20 years. Check one, two. All right. Can we give praise and just, again, thanksgiving to God for the baptisms today, 25 years of celebrating as a church, and uh, some, some great reasons to rejoice today, and uh, celebrating 25 years as a ministry, seeing God's faithfulness and what God has done, uh, many reasons to give thanks and I uh, appreciate uh, Pastor Butch sharing as we think about the next five years and then as we think about even beyond that for 20 years. It's very much a humbling thing to consider that the Lord would allow us to be used in serving him and taking the message of the gospel. And that's a reason to be excited this morning as well because we have a great message, life-changing message to share with the world. And uh, let's not keep silent about that. And so this morning what I want to do is look back at that passage in Philippians chapter 3. And I just want to briefly this morning give us three challenges that I think we'll see in the passage that are absolutely essential and necessary for every one of us as believers in Christ. And then I want to share with you six commitments that we're continuing to make in year 6 through 20. Next five obviously, but then even beyond that 
through the next 20 years as a church. And so, uh, again, looking at the passage before us, three challenges, I think, that are laid out here for us as believers and then also as a body, as the body of Christ meeting here at Maranatha that I think we need to embrace. And the first challenge is this, is that we would press on. Say that with me. Press on. Uh, The desire that Paul had that he shares in Philippians 3 is that he would press on towards Christ's likeness, that he would press on in his relationship with Jesus. Look at the passage with me. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 14, he says it again. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As a believer in Christ today, if you know him, you have a responsibility, I have a responsibility to make Christ known. And the desire that we should have every single day that God gives us breath is that we would press on in that calling, that we would press on in that calling of knowing Christ and of making Christ known. Because as Pastor Butch mentioned, no one has arrived at that yet. Paul, the apostle, said he hadn't. He says, I've not attained this yet, but I press on to that upward call. I press on as it relates to pursuing Christ and knowing Christ. What a humbling thing that Paul would even say, I want to know Christ earlier, and I want to know him even in fellowshipping with his sufferings. Paul says, listen, I so much want to know Christ. I so much want to be like Christ, that I welcome even suffering into my life if that means I can know him to a greater extent. Paul was pressing on. And that's the desire we have as believers, but that's also the desire we have as a church. That we would be pressing on to what God has called us to do because we're not done yet. God has more to do. And he wants to use us in accomplishing the work that he's called us to. He's not done yet. And I remember years ago traveling overseas. I don't know how many of you had the opportunity to travel internationally or overseas. But it can be a pleasant experience or it can be a very high stress level experience. And I remember one trip that I was leading uh, overseas that was very much a high stress level trip. I remember running, sprinting through the airport, trying to get to our connecting flights. And I, it's not that fast, but still, I was trying, sprinting through the airport with luggage and the team, and we're trying to catch our connecting flight. And this was in France. And, uh, and, and while we were there, if you're from France and you're here this morning, I'm sure you're a really nice person, but the people we engaged with that day were not nice people. And uh, I remember being there trying to figure things out and having conversations with people. And one of the things that was happening that I didn't enjoy was when people would be talking in French to each other and I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was high stress and people were saying things that I didn't know what they were saying and there was signage that I couldn't read and there was time ticking, ticking, ticking away and I was trying to figure out how do we get our whole team on this one flight that we're late for because the connecting flight wouldn't be till hours later and it was just high stress traveling internationally when I'm out of my home country, away from my home language, away from my home, uh, uh, my home understanding of reading English to signage I can't read, language I can't understand, a place that I've never been before the stress was heavy. And I remember being on that trip when we finally arrived, there being a slight lessening of the stress, but one thing kept coming back in my mind the entire time we were on the trip. You know what that was? 
I got to do this again when I go back home. And talk about stress. I mean, it was consuming. It was on my mind. And, all, and the days kept ticking by. And as much as I wanted to come back home to be with my family and be back in the USA and all this other stuff, I was really stressed about that day coming because I knew it was coming. And as the day, weeks went, or week went on, it was coming. And I would have to go all through all this all over again. And so I remember being overseas, traveling back and having connecting flights and the stress and the worry and the strain of trying to make sure that everything was in place and that we got our connecting flights. And there came a point in time when we had our final connecting flight to travel back to the U.S. and we were in the air. And this was taking us back into the United States. I believe we were flying back into New York City at JFK. And I believe that's where we were coming back. And, and so we were in the air and everything was connected. Everything's there. The team's on the plane. And I remember sitting here thinking, just a breath, like a, a deep breath of like refreshment of like going back home. There was something about that. Like the stress kind of melted away. The flight attendant comes up, you know, can I get you something to drink? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll have a Coke, you know. I'll take the calories with it this time because, because everything's calm because I'm going back home. And we got home with a language I can understand and signs that I can read and people that I can understand and in a familiar setting. And I thought, you know what, if I get there and I don't miss the connecting flight, I'll rent a car and I'll drive home. Stress was gone because I was going back home. And here I think is a warning for us. It can be easy as believers when we see that God has done something in our lives or that God has even used us in accomplishing something to come to a point of complacency and rest thinking we've arrived. But the reality is the word of God tells us this is not our home. We have a far greater home that we look forward to and that we anticipate with great joy. And there's never a time as a child of God that we should ever feel like we're home in this world. We should always, with great diligence and alertness, be pressing on because we realize we're not home yet. You see, Paul is saying here in this passage, I'm not yet like Christ. I'm not yet with him in glory, but I'm pressing on, pressing on, because my work here is not yet done. And so it should be true of you and I as believers, and it should be true of us as a church, that we never grow satisfied or complacent or lazy because we press on. And I believe the second challenge that we see here is that we also are to look forward Press on, and secondly, look forward. Say that with me. Look forward. Paul's saying this. Again, revisit verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't miss what Paul says here. He says, I am straining forward to what lies ahead. He's looking forward. Paul is focused forward on what lies ahead. He says, forgetting the things that are behind. I'm straining, looking forward. How many of you have ever 
had this problem where you maybe are watching, if you're watching TV or you're listening to someone speak or you're watching your kids or you're doing something where you're turned, your neck's turned, and you're watching. And after a while, when you turn your neck back, like you have a sore neck. Does anybody else have that happen? Maybe that's age. That's happening now for me. Or like if you get in the shower and like you're washing your hair. I don't have a lot of hair, but when I'm washing it, and like if you do it too hard, you get out and you're like, man, I kinked my neck in the shower. Like you ever have that? It never used to happen to me. That happens now. But we know what it's like when we're sitting or laying down in a particular way or our heads are turned a particular way for too long or our back is a certain way for too long. And when we fix things back to where they're supposed to be, like there's like a strain there. There's like a a pain that's there from, from being focused or turned in a particular direction. Well, this is what I think of when I think of when Paul uses the word straining here. He says, I am forgetting what lies behind, verse 13, and I am straining forward to what lies ahead. Here's the picture that Paul's getting, is that his entire focus, his entire strength, his entire being is focused on what lies ahead and not on what has already passed. Picture Paul saying, I'm straining forward. He says, I'm pressing on. I'm straining forward. I'm not looking back. I'm not turning back to what was or didn't happen or what did happen. And listen, Paul had plenty of reasons for rejoicing when he looked at his past. And he had plenty of reasons for repentance when he looked at his past. As would be the case for every single one of us. But he says, forgetting what lies behind, all of the shortcomings, all of the sin, all of the failures, all of the successes, all of the quote-unquote amazing things that in his flesh he thought he was able to do. I'm forgetting all of those things, and this is the one thing I'm doing. I'm straining forward. I'm pressing on. And as a believer in Christ, our focus, our mindset, our attention, our vision must be towards the things that lie ahead because that's what God has called us to. Listen, this is so important. You and I as children of God, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, are the only individuals walking the face of this earth that know with absolute certainty what our future holds. I want you to consider that for a moment this morning. There's not another individual walking the face of the planet that does not know Christ as Savior, who with absolute certainty knows what their future holds for them. And you and I as a child of God know with 100% certainty that our future holds for us an eternal dwelling with God. Where we will see Jesus. We will be like Christ. And so we look forward. We are forgetting what lies behind and we are straining forward to what lies ahead. And as a believer in Christ, we need to have that mindset as a church. We need to have that mindset that we are straining, looking forward, pressing on in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, where Paul says this. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Listen to what Paul said here. Paul said, listen, anything that I could possibly do good, I count it as nothing but garbage in comparison with knowing Christ. 
Nothing else matters but knowing Christ. I want to be like him. I want to be conformed to his image. I want to have and experience the resurrection of the dead. I want to know the power of that resurrection. I want to know Christ. And friends, listen to me this morning. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your certainty of your future is eternal punishment from God apart from Christ. But the certainty of your future in Christ is eternal glory. And if you don't know him today, you can know him as Savior. The word of God says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. That's truth for you to know today. That in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have certainty of everlasting life with him. We know that to be true if we know him. And so we press on and we look forward. If you've ever done anything where you had to prepare or you had to practice or you had to study or you had to sacrifice because of a goal that you have in mind, the thought probably went through your head that it will all be worth it. It will all be worth it. Paul had the same mentality and the same attitude that it will all be worth it when we see Christ. So we look ahead. We look forward. We press on. Number three, we stand firm. Say that with me. Stand firm. Press on. Look forward. Stand firm. Look at verses 15 and 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, anyone, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Stand firm. Stand firm. There's this mentality and mindset that Paul had in his life that what he knew to be true transformed his life. Christ transformed Paul. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus today, then you know with great reality Christ has transformed your life. We're going to hear testimonies today of people who are being baptized. In the other service, testimonies of people who are being baptized. Twelve testimonies today of people who have trusted Christ as Savior. And I love when I listen to these testimonies because what always stands out to me in these testimonies is life change. Before I knew Christ, this was the case in my life, but Jesus has changed me. Christ has changed my life. He's changed your life if you know him as Savior. And listen to me, he can change your life if you don't know him today. He can change your life. He can make you alive in him. And we know these things to be true and we must stand firm. We must stand firm in the truth and the reality that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. We must stand firm on the truth of the word of God knowing that this word is eternal. That heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word is eternal. We must stand firm in the reality of our eternal destiny. And we must stand firm on the reality of sin and the destructiveness of sin. But we also must stand firm on the life change that happens through a relationship with Jesus. We stand firm. We stand firm on the commitment that we made to Christ. We stand firm on the authority of the word of God. And we stand firm on the calling that God has placed in every one of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ to make Christ known. To take the gospel to the world. To let people know of the one true living Savior, Jesus, who was crucified. 
buried and rose again the third day who's coming back again. We stand firm on these truths. We stand firm on the word of God. That's our mindset. That's our attitude. That's our perspective. That we press on, that we look forward, that we stand firm, unwavering in our faith in Jesus Christ. I want to read to you the words of the Apostle Paul back in Philippians chapter 1. I want you just to listen to this. Paul was in prison when he was writing this. Paul was a man who was familiar with severe persecution. He was familiar with even coming to various times in his life that because of his preaching of the gospel, that his life was going to be taken from him, and yet God sustained him. He was just completely destroyed physically because of the persecution that came into his life because he was standing firm in the gospel. And I want you to listen to what Paul says. After Paul is telling them that he's in prison for the gospel... He's telling them that there are people who hate him and they want to make his life even more miserable by the preaching of the gospel. Listen to what Paul says, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Listen to what Paul says. There's people who are preaching the gospel, some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. The people who are preaching it for good reasons, they know that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Nothing's going to change that. I am here for the defense of the gospel. But then he says this. The former, those that are preaching Christ, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. That's what Paul's saying. There's two types of people that are preaching the gospel right now while Paul was in prison. There are those that want to further the ministry of the gospel and they're preaching it knowing that it's going to bring affliction on me, but they know I'm set to defend the gospel. I am not going to compromise. I'm unwavering in my commitment. He says, but there's a whole other group of people that are preaching, and here's why they're preaching. Not because they love Christ. Not because they want the gospel to be the power of God to those that hear it. Not even because they've been transformed by it. But they're preaching it, he says, out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. They want to bring more affliction on my life by preaching. And listen to what his attitude was. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth... Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Listen to what Paul said. I don't care what the reason is that Christ is being preached. If he is being preached in truth, if the gospel is being preached, whether that means that I live or die, I will rejoice in the preaching of Christ. He would go on in chapter 1, verse 27, to say, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. And listen to what he says, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Don't miss what he says. Don't miss what he says. Let me read again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are of one spirit, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is the desire that every believer should have and our church has collectively as the body of Christ, that we would stand firm, striving together for the faith of the gospel that we would make Christ known, unwavering in our commitment. As I close things out here, I want to just share with you over the next 20 years, we are committed to these six 
things that we've already been committed to and we continue. One, an unwavering commitment to the preaching of God's word. We will continue to have an unwavering commitment to the preaching of the word of God, whether it's popular or not. We will preach God's word. Number two, a continued commitment to see every believer at Maranatha connect, grow, and serve. We want to connect with one another grow in Christ and serve him, not because we like the words or because we think it flows nicely, but because God has called us to that. Number three, an increased presence in the community for outreach and evangelism. We want to make Christ known, and we are committed to that corporately as a body and individually as believers in Christ, that we would take the gospel. Four, continued commitment to pastoral training and doctrinal training overseas. Ministering to those that are ministering the gospel. We're committed to that. Number five, continued commitment of at least 20% of our annual giving going to missions. We've done that. We'll continue to do that as the gospel goes forth around the world. And number six, a continued pursuit of additional church plants to reach our community and surrounding communities for Christ. We'll continue to plant churches that have effectiveness in reaching people who are far from God, reaching people with a life-changing message of the gospel, giving all glory and honor to our Savior, Jesus, because he is worthy of it. We praise God for 25 years of his faithfulness, and we are committed to serving him with unwavering commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the 20 that are to come. Thanks for listening this morning.